When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's time to Take Command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. The Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. And it is time to get ready for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is an exceptionally good football team. The defending NFC East champions. They are th- or defending NFC East and NFC champions. 3-0 and to start the season, Logan. Uh, I-, I feel like they also feel, uh, based off listening to like Jason Kelsey's podcast and some other comments, that they haven't even really clicked yet. Yet, here they are, 3-0. and preparing to host Washington this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, they are a very talented football team. Like, when you go down the roster, they have good football players. Like, offensively, they're very deep. Defensively, I I think less deep, but they have the big names that you kind of think about there. That You're like, oh, my gosh, that guy's there, that guy's there. Um, And quite frankly, they haven't clicked offensively. You know, they, they don't look good. And I think they've been very, very fortunate to win some of the games they've won. And the reason I say that is because they've had tremendous turnover luck in against Minnesota. Minnesota fumbled the ball four times in the red zone or in the strike zone, I would say. So in that plus 35 area. And then um, obviously New England didn't look great, but also a couple turnovers there. And then some of those turnovers are a little bit lucky. I mean, obviously you create your own luck to a certain extent, but I see what Kelsey's talking about. I, I When you watch the film, especially offensively, specifically Jalen Hurts, you're kind of like, man, he just doesn't look like – he looks like Jalen Hurts from two years ago. You know, he's kind of hit a little bit of a regression, I think. And, you know, that's probably correlated to the new offensive coordinator and things like that. But I, this game, to me, feels a lot more like in our bag, like what, what the commanders traditionally have done well um, compared to like the Bills, for example. Well, there's nothing traditional about these commanders, though, and so let's get into the matchup. This is not uh, this is not your uh, slightly older brothers, Ron Rivera teams. This is this is Eric Bieniemy's team offensively. Uh, yeah. So when you look at what will be uh, obviously the the most high wire matchup for Washington, it is how their offense can perform against an Eagles defense that is clicking and cooking. They are. <coughs> 
this defensive line is playing so well uh, on the back end. Like they've got guys making plays. Uh, the interception from Reed Blankenship on Monday night is just yeah. a phenomenal play coming down from a, a cover two safety to cut a crosser and, you know, just it's a crazy good play um, and they're opportunistic and they, they can do that because they're super aggressive. Jalen Carter, like we all knew that this guy was a steal for them at nine that the re right. and, and I'm a little tired of the, how could other teams let Jalen Carter fall to nine to the Eagles? I don't know because he was in a deadly car crash and there was some character issues. Like it's not like they didn't yeah. think he could play, but he goes to Philadelphia. That's the perfect room for him. He's balling. They're balling. Yeah. How does Eric Bieniemy begin to think about attacking them? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big question. And, and, you know, like in the back end, I think they're playing They're playing okay. You know, I think one of the things that really sticks out to me is that defensive line is playing really, really, really well. Like a lot of reallys there. They're playing very good football. You mentioned Jalen Carter. I mean, obviously he sticks out because he's a guy who has had some quick wins and seems to be kind of like the heir apparent to the Chris Jones, you know, Aaron Donalds of the world in terms of his production. He's got a great motor. He finishes plays like a lot of stuff that I didn't expect from him, but he's just like a guy, like a football playing Johnny, man. He's got a good feel. He's got good athletic traits and he makes guys look silly. Like if you watch the new England game, man, like it was like guys, it was like he was air. And I was like, this guy's a rookie and he's making these guards look like this. Obviously Minnesota handled it a little bit better. And then again, Tampa Bay, you see him kind of totally, I don't want to say melt, you know, kind of melt that game, but had an excellent game. Uh, Jordan Davis has been playing awesome. Like he's been playing so well. He might be the most dominant player in their defense. You know, he's kind of that true nose, like on first, second down. I've seen him make some plays that are like literally jaw dropping. Like, like literally, like you don't see nose guards make those types of plays from an athletic movement standpoint and just the physical power that he's playing with. I mean, you see, like, kind of, I think the benefit of playing against uh, a Jason Kelsey every single day in practice and kind of how he's able to cultivate his game. Josh Sweat is one of those, like maybe the most underrated pass rusher in the NFL, a guy that just has great feel for rushes, a huge, like a plethora of moves. Obviously, Hassan Reddick is a beast. Um, you know, I've been a little bit quiet this this year for the, through the first couple games, but, you know, led the league in sacks last year. You got Brandon Graham, who looks like Brandon Graham, not playing as much. Fletcher Cox playing well right now with those other two young guys inside. And, um, you know, Nolan Smith, who probably is the most – quiet of that group but again a very athletic kind of freaky dude and so i think anything eb does has to start start and ends with how you handle that group because if you look at the back end of the defense i think they're very similar to washington's defense and what i mean by that is like they went from like this jonathan gannon gannon like kind of true cover three that mixed in some more aggressive stuff that very rarely pressured and now it feels like they're almost like in a type of match almost every play, you know, like they're, they want to be in a more in a tighter coverage structure and they're pretty good at passing stuff off, but there is space, right? Like that's one of the things about match, especially like, I think uh, Jack plays, plays his match more like man, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it like if you're watching it, it feels more like man to man coverage. Mm -hmm. If you're watching their match, it feels more zony. And so guys will, let guys run free and there's a little bit of space. But the, the the problem is, is you can't get to some of that second level stuff. Like for example, the Minnesota game, the whole first quarter, Minnesota couldn't do anything. They couldn't do a damn thing. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't run the ball. And it wasn't because the secondary was playing lights out. It was because the defensive line was just being so disruptive. So my thought is if you're EB, I look at the Minnesota game, what they did is like they were totally stymied 
And then they started running all these keepers and misdirections and kind of getting the defensive line moving laterally, booting the quarterback out, moving the pocket. And I think there's an element of that here, you know, that you got to kind of think about. We can't be in five-step drops, three-step drops from the pocket, in the gun, from empty all the time, you know, and that's kind of been a, a trademark of this offense. And we talked about why they probably do that, you know, to help Sam see the matchups, help Sam see the space, like help him kind of identify throws he wants to make. I understand the value there, but I really think in this game specifically, you got to figure out a way to mitigate the effectiveness of that defensive line for Philly, like number one priority, first thing on the list. So it's interesting because all spring and then all camp long, like we saw a lot of that stuff. Like we saw them working on moving the pocket. We saw them, you know, do some of the misdirection-y type of stuff. And it does feel like that's been not very present in the game so far like there's definitely been a couple of rollouts um you know but you haven't really gotten and and i know like heavy play action isn't really in this offense which also tracks because like a heavy run game like they don't run a ton of you know outside zone you know these super wide plays stretch like they're not running that stuff with any kind of frequency that it would really like if all of a sudden you're doing that and running play action off of it defenses are gonna be like we know what's coming like you're not you're not fooling anybody uh we can see we can see your face behind the mask um so they're and that way i think some of their what they're doing pass run like matches and marries but it's not very misdirectiony if you will like you're not you're not trying to really use the defense's aggression against them. The way this offense has done that traditionally is with the screen game, which has been very hit or miss through three games. You have the fantastic hits where everyone's raving about it. We did a take five episode on it. Like this is not a criticism of people talking about it uh, because we were amongst the people. It's like, oh, well, they've got it now uh, after the week two game against Denver. And then last week, they don't really run a ton of it. And the the most memorable one is the one to Gibson where he fumbles. So... I think it's, you know, one, can you introduce some stuff that we haven't really seen yet this year um, within the scope of the offense and like rollouts and things like that, sprint, sprint outs, keepers, like that is stuff that is definitely in this offense. And then can you get the screen game going a little bit and use some of the aggression that that they have? And especially, I think if I'm Sean Desai, the Eagles defensive coordinator, and I see how Howell's handling pressure, I'm I'm seeing if I can get home with four, but I'm also going to send some pressures because right. I feel like I can get some sacks and you know force him into turnovers. So how do you use that against the Eagles if you're EB? And is Sam ready to handle that kind of challenge? And, we, and we've talked about this a ton, and I think this is what it's going to take in this instance. Like you mentioned the misdirection. You know, I everyone, everyone always says we need to get to, to sprints, we need to get to rollouts, we need all this stuff. A sprint to me is when you're rolling to the strong side of the formation. Like it's like when the quarterback catches a snap and runs right, right away. I don't love those for like, high volume plays at an offense because it really like sections the field off in a gnarly way. Like you only get like about a third of the field to read. And if it's not there right away, it's basically a dead play, which is fine because it's an easy throw. You move in the pocket, but I think you got to think a little bit more high level. So obviously keepers is another one where hard play action um, to the offensive, right? You kind of boot out big roll. Those tend to be a little bit better because they give you more of the field. Um, and you get a hard play action off of it. And, I, and like you said, they don't do a ton of that. They tend to do it from the off gun, but they do have it in. And I think because of how the Eagles play their defensive ends, which is like either a tight six or a tight nine, you can get the edge on this defense using that technique, right? Toss crack stuff, I think, would probably be very effective against this group because they play in a way where their alignment 
is going to be kind of tighter to the tackle or tighter to the tight end. So use that stuff to kind of maximize. But also I think just the way you call this game is going to be so impactful, right? Like I look at the Minnesota game and the thing that stuck out to me is they were in a little bit of a rut. They found something that got the pocket moving, did something. It doesn't, you know, in that case it was keepers and it got the offense sparked, but then they kept going. They said, oh, we're going to run some play action. We're going to run quick game. We're going to run screens. We're going to run bubbles, jets, all that kind of stuff. And that stuff, it's so important. It's so important to disrupt a pass rush just by giving them different looks. And I think that's one thing that I would like to see in this game. Like, I don't care how you get to it. Like, are we doing, you know, kind of the token fake out of gun and a half roll and we're setting up for a play action? That's fine, but we're moving the pocket. We're giving the offensive line an opportunity to jump set and we're, we're letting them be a little bit more aggressive. We're giving the defensive line a different look. Quick game, let's hit that a little bit. You know, so I don't, there's a lot of ways to get to this stuff, but just presenting a varied offensive perspective down and down out I think is going to be the most critical and that includes running the football and I think that Philly is pretty committed to stopping the run I think they will be pretty committed versus this team especially after what happened last week so you're going to have to be a little bit creative in terms of getting the looks that you want from a personnel and a formation standpoint so can you get that done this week um that's something I would really I think is going to be so a lot's going to be an EV's plate in terms of calling this game and I, the other thing I just want to bring up real quick is I think while calling the game is super important, I think also understanding that I think this defense is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with this Philly offense, and you can play a conservative offensive game plan. Like I said this on a podcast the other day. I think I was talking to Kime. It's okay. Like There used to be a saying when I first got in the league. It's called punt to win. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Tressway endorses that wholeheartedly. Yeah, but you're basically playing the field position game. You're you're playing the long game. So you have a a 20-yard drive. You punt the football. You get them back up. You're assuming that they're not going to be able to get out of that own end. You're going to be a little bit closer the next time. And you just kind of work that seesaw technique until you're right there. You get the ball on on your 45. It's a short drive for a field goal. Then you're up. So I really believe that you can do that in this game. And hopefully EB understands that relationship at a very high level. Yeah, it is something that he's still definitely got to get used to is like, you know, the way you win games in Kansas City is you let Patrick Mahomes cook. The way you win games here is going to be different. And the way you call a game is reflective in that. To go all the way back to the start of your answer, I think it's a great, great point of clarification that like a sprint out or something like that's not high volume stuff, specifically a sprint out is not a high volume, but it is the kind of thing, like you said, to reset the defense a little bit. Like, okay, we're willing to sacrifice this play to an extent that we have a third of the field because it prevents the defensive line from just attacking the same spot, you know, eight right. yards behind the center or whatever. Sam's, you know, dropping between five and 10 yards, uh, depending on the, the depth of his drop. So, you know, by the same token, you know, there's a little half rolls and moving the pocket that you can do with a little bit more volume. All those are ways to make it so a pass rusher doesn't get into a rhythm. And that's what yeah. we've talked about a ton more. So we talk about it with, you know, with the commander's defensive linemen, but pass rushers like a rhythm. And if you're trying to get to the same spot every single time, it's going to be much easier to solve the right. riddle and get into the rhythm than if your first question when the ball is snapped is, where am I even going in the first place? Right. And so I think that's that's super important. The running the ball point, I think, is one we should double click on because it has been such a big point of discussion. Sure. Like we've talked about it, but like let's talk about it looking forward to this game. Um, you know, how how willing are you to accept, you know, 
hey, Jalen Carter's playing crazy good football. Uh, Jordan Davis is playing crazy good football. Fletcher Cox playing really good football. Like, we're just not going to get a ton of yardage here probably, but, like, we need to do this anyway because, you know, Jason Campbell uh, came on my show earlier this week, and he's like, when you're a young quarterback, a running game is your absolute best friend. And it, if you can get any success running it, uh, or even just commit the defense to stopping it, it will open up the passing game for you. It's worth it. Um, you know, is that, do you subscribe to that, uh, in this uh, game? See, I, I'd, I'd or, like to talk about that a little yeah. bit. Cause I think it's super important because I think a running an effective running game is a quarterback's best friend. Yeah. If you're taking, if you're in second and 10, second and 11, second and nine, second and 12, whatever it is, multiple times in a game, that is an obvious passing situation. Like you have now given the, you've now shifted the advantage to the defense. So I think it's foolish, honestly, to say, hey, we're gonna run the ball and for a no gain or two gain. Like even second and eight is a defensive advantage, like that's defensive advantage, right? So make sure you're cultivating the correct looks. And so one of the things I would say is if you're gonna be committed to the run, like be committed to it. You know, like let's what I would and this is just my personal approach to running the football. We'll get out of this RPO stuff. We're, we get hats on hats. We're having receivers crack safeties. We're accounting for that extra man in the box, innovatively accounting for that guy. I'm not. I don't want to worry about influencing. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna pull receivers. We're gonna block safeties. I'm allow them to short motion. I'm gonna get in different offensive sets. But that's if you want to do it, you got to bleed blood, sweat, and tears the run game. And there are teams that do it, but you can't half. You can't. You can't be halfway with it. And I think a lot of teams in the NFL now are halfway with it. And that's not a criticism of anybody. It's just passing the ball is more effective, more efficient, and it's way easier. People say, what are you talking about? It's way easier. It's so hard to account for fronts now. Line stunts, pressures, extra guys in the box, different defensive personnel. Just getting runs targeted now is very challenging. You got to believe it. You got to own it. You got to want it. And you, it, it, it makes sense to me that teams who are good at running the football – like Atlanta, like they don't mess around. They're very clear in terms of their offensive identity. They rep the heck out of that stuff. And so to me, it feels very, very challenging for the coordinator to be like, hey, man, we're just going to jump in and run the ball 30 times this game because like you haven't established that perspective offensively. So, um, yes, I think it's important to run the football, right? But like we talked about in, in the game review in our last podcast, I also believe that you have to do it in a way that fits you offensively and into good looks. Now you can cultivate those looks and you got to really work at it because I don't want to be banging my head against a brick wall because Jordan Davis, man, I'm not kidding. Like right now he's the best nose guard in football through three games. He's the best nose guard in football. He is going to cause problems. Fletcher Cox, it may be a hall of famer. He's in there. He's seen everything. He's done everything. It's not going to be easy sledding. You've got to kind of find good opportunities to get that done. So I think, yes, a good running game is very helpful for the quarterback, but it's got to be effective. And how do you make sure that it's consistently effective would be my thing. And yes, oftentimes you have to be committed to it. Um, but that's my that's the, that's the crux of my concern when I hear people say that. It's not just running to run it. It's got to be an effective solution because if it's not effective, it stresses the quarterback and the offense out more. Yeah, I, I think it's extremely well said. Uh, and I don't disagree with any of it. So my my like continuance of that conversation, yeah. it's not a rebuttal, it's not anything, just to be perfectly clear, is what are what are the people that are saying run the football 
trying to accomplish? And then how do you accomplish it without running the football? Like they want you to run the football because it's actually not going to accomplish the goals that, that they are setting out to claim, right? What they're trying to do is make the quarterback's job easier. What they're trying to do is affect specifically second level defenders and to an extent, third level defenders so that you can open up shots down the field and you can open up that intermediate passing area where the linebackers have stepped up a little bit. They're trying to stop the run. They're prepared for it. Uh, and you have bigger windows uh, on your high crosses, your digs, your, your deeper curls uh, from your inside receivers, things like that. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. So how do you then accomplish that? And that comes to Sam getting the ball out of his hands faster. And I made this point yesterday on the radio, and I'm going to make it again here because I would like for you to expand on it um, because you can probably speak to it better than I can. But we say Sam Sam needs to get the ball out of his hands faster. And people say, like, that's it. Like, if he can just yeah. mentally make that switch, then, oh, like, oh okay, uh, the ball's out now. If Sam saw the where the ball should go faster, the, it would be out of his hand. It's not as right. simple as just being like, oh, I got to speed up my mental clock. He's got to actually see the game faster. He's got to, uh, whether it is understanding where the open guy is or going through his progressions faster, don't stay on your first read as long. Um, don't stay on your second read as long. Be able to read what coverage you're in and realize what stuff is dead and is not even worth looking at to get to your check down faster. Like, it, it's not actually just like one, two, three, oh my God, throw the ball into the stands. Yeah, like it's right. not, that's not what we're talking about here. It's about actually finding where the ball is supposed to go faster. And often that's going to mean processing pre-snap that a lot of stuff is dead based off the look you're going to get and getting the ball to the underneath guys quicker. And that ultimately can accomplish that same goal of pulling up that, those second level defenders uh, and they start to sit on it. And that's when you can hit something over the top because they get a little bit lazy with their discipline because they're just sure. anticipating you checking the ball down. So that there's value in these quick early throws like you were talking about with Matt Ryan. Sometimes he predetermined the flat because he just knew based off the look, he's like, well, the deeper stuff that I want's not there. So let's get the right. ball to, to Logan faster in the flat and give him a little bit more space to rumble. Like there's, there's things like that, that I think is the, the learning progression for Sam that ultimately if he executes well, will actually accomplish many of the same things that the run game will. Yeah. And I guess what I'm saying, like, I understand also like the idea that you don't want him making 50 decisions in a game. Right. Yeah. And I don't think either one of us are advocating that. So nope. we want him to run the ball. We want the team to run the ball, but we want them to be smart and deliberate about how they do that. 
And to your point, like, let's just take something really simple, like, like bow. I know they run bow. I call it bow. So it's basically like a, um, a five yard sit and then like a basic or a 14 yard in cut by, um, the outside guy. And basically you're trying to high, low a defender, get him to attach to the sit and then hit the, hit the dig behind it. When you're running that concept, the route, the, the dig is covered for 90% of the 90% of the time you're looking at it, right? So you're kind of, there is a feel to that concept. There's a, an intuitiveness to the concept that if I see the linebacker step up, I'm actually not throwing it to the receiver. I'm throwing it to the spot that the linebacker just vacated. And that's something that takes a lot of reps to get comfortable with a lot of reps. Everyone talks about the chemistry with receivers and chemistry within an offense. That's exactly what you're talking about. Cause you're basically saying, when is that guy going to show up? And because of Sam's limited reps, I do feel like there's a little bit of like, I got to see it. I got to see the throw, which means I got to see him coming open and then I'm going to fire a fastball in there. Right. As opposed to saying the space is open. I'm going to trust my guy to whip his head around coming off that linebackers left ear or right ear and catch this football. And so I think that's also what you're seeing a little bit with Sam is he's new to an offense that is new to the team. And those are the types of details that need to kind of come to life a little bit, right? Like we were talking about one of these, one of these plays. Um, I forget which. Oh, it was it was against the Bills. It was like a post by the outside guy, mm-hmm. and at Sam, the top of Sam's drop, I'm like, he should throw the post. You're like, well, the post isn't even looking. I'm like, well, that's kind of the point. Is like the space that they're trying to create is open, so the ball should be delivered. To the space. Anticipating, anticipating right. to the space, right? And that's what when you watch like elite guys, like like even Kirk right now. I've, I've watched a lot of Kirk Cousins for whatever reason. Like he understands that that ball needs to go to space and and to trust his receiver. But he's had like how many years has he worked with Justin Jefferson? Long time. Justin Jefferson worked for with him for a long time. He understands that relationship really well. And I do think that that is another element. Obviously, there's quick game, but even the five step stuff you're doing can be more efficient just by working that relationship. And that's one of the things about Sam getting experience right now is that's only going to get better the more time he has to work with with the other guys in the offense in those specific route concepts and situations. Yeah, and if you don't throw with the anticipation and throw it on time this weekend, what you'll see is not space, but a green helmet in your face. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's... And, and, and to that point, just, just, just real quick, while... Philly's really good. I'm not, this is not like a sugarcoating. They don't win quickly or they haven't been winning quickly. I think their win rate on the defensive lines, like in the 25%, if I remember correctly, if you could double check me on that, Craig, that'd be awesome. But it's not like these fast wins. It's like Jalen Carter wins relatively quickly. Fletcher Cox, um, Jordan Davis, they're pushing the pocket. So they are winning, but it's, it's taking a little bit of time to get there. Josh Sweat's probably the closest guy they have to like a quick win guy, uh, but it takes. It's not now. It's not when you're watching T.J. Watt or Miles Garrett and the guys right in the quarterback's lap. There's a little bit of time, so I do think while there will be a lot of pressure from the front four, take your breath. It, the offense can function under this kind of pressure now. We'll see if the matchups, you know, Wiley on Brandon Graham is the one that kind of makes me nervous because Wiley doesn't handle bull rushers, power rushers very well. And Brandon Graham's one of the best bull power rushers in the NFL. 
he actually did really well against Hassan Reddick in the Super Bowl because he's Wiley's a good athlete and he matched up really well with that athleticism. So those are the types of matchups I wonder if Philly kind of switches it up this week to kind of find those matchups. But usually, at least when I watch, I'm not like, oh my gosh, there's it's it's this it's this deluge of pressure. There is pressure, but it is a very specific, deliberate kind of pressure that I think you can manage if you call an effective football game. And if you put the quarterback in a good position to be successful. Yeah. So right now, um, I don't have like a time based stat, um, but win percentage, uh, according to PFF, uh, Jalen Carter's got the best on the team. He's 31.7, which is, which is good. Nuts. Like that's, um, ironically, uh, the, the one guy in that range, uh, so far this year for Washington is chase young. Um, whose whose win rate is very very high we've talked about that how some of his quote-unquote wins may not actually be beneficial to the team uh because they're coming in conjunction with other guys getting uh out of position or being Mm -hmm. looking then out of position based off chase freelancing but uh it's still a very impressive number uh and jalen's doing it from the inside which is nuts um and he leads the team in total pressures with 12 uh hassan reddick is up next he's about 24 and a half percent and then fletcher cox is 20 percent. everyone else is under 20 percent. so right. you know you mentioned josh sweat not having the a, a great year so far he's at 17.3 percent um but does actually have 10 pressures so um you know it, they mix these guys up too and so you know it's hard to track personnel live if you will um, yeah. If you're an offensive coordinator, especially since you have to sub first um, and you're, you know, the play clock's running, it's not like we could be like, oh, it's, uh, it's Jalen Carter in the game. Oh, okay, let's do the, the whatever. Um, but, you know, if you can figure out based off personnel situations, whatever, when those guys uh, are and are not in the game, you might be able to dial up a shot play out of a formation where they're going to match it with something where Jalen Carter's not on the field, hopefully. Right. And so, like, there are. You know, th- this is why they study all week. This is the level yeah. of detail that gets studied, uh, so that you can hopefully get your your big play action shot on a on a down and a distance at a point in a drive where he's coming off the field. But I was going to say they're they're pretty consistent about Jordan Davis. You're on the field in first second down, and then Jalen Carter, come on out here for third down. You know, or any kind of passing situation. You know, second along whatever it is. So they they do have a pretty strong tendency with regards to that. And I think that's one of the reasons he's an effective pass rusher. But I do think those statistics kind of show you that even though this defensive line is very, very good, they're not creating this, again, like the, this consistent pressure the way that you would think. Now, you know, we said that kind of the same thing last year before the Philly game the first time, and that was a tough outing for Carson Wentz. Not a good so I'm, not, I'm not saying that you don't need to prepare for it, but it's a little bit different than what we saw from Buffalo, which was a whole bunch of guys who were a little bit hyper-athletic. They're used to playing with a lead. The coverage structure in the back end was a little bit more aggressive, tighter throwing windows. It's not that. It's There is space. There is opportunity here. It's just about can you get to it and can you maximize it? Yeah, by the way, on the like snap count uh, situation, like Fletcher Cox is playing pretty much every snap. Uh, yeah. And then, like you said, Carter and... Um, and Davis are pretty much splitting time at that other defensive end spot. So uh, definitely seeing that in the numbers uh, as as you are on film, the way that it has played out. All right. Uh, anything else from the Washington offense, Philly defense matchup that is worth touching on? We haven't really touched much on the outside uh, guys. Obviously, they're yeah. very, very good. Bradbury and Slay. Um, Terry's had some big games in the past uh, against Philly for sure. Um, but he's also said, I think Slay is one of his... Uh, Favorite guys to play against in terms of competitiveness, but least favorite in terms of, hey, I want to have a really productive day. 
Um, so it, it should be a, a fun matchup on the outside uh, as, as Sam tries to get those guys involved. And the only thing I'd say there is like, I'm excited to see that matchup, obviously, but there is space. Mm-hmm. There is space in the back end. Again, I don't know if it's because they're not matching it well or because Slay is a little bit of a gambler and he's kind of, you know, trying to bait guys into stuff, but there is space. There's opportunity. It's just about, can you get to it consistently? And, um, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised based on how the, the back end of this defense looks if EB comes out and says, man, we're letting this thing rip from the jump because you do see opportunity back there. It's just about can you capitalize on it consistently in conjunction with the rush. Bradbury's kind of moved to this slot nickel role, and I think he's done a pretty good job there. Yeah. But um, but again, again, there's like if I'm an offensive corner, I'm like, man, there is opportunity here. At, at, you know, in that in every level of the defense, throwing the football, it's just about can we get there and can we protect and can we make sure we hit some of that stuff? Yeah, uh, Bryberry playing the slot because Avante Maddox got hurt early in the season and is out for the season, uh, I believe, or he's at least on IR. So um, Avante right. Maddox unavailable for them. Other than that, uh, their starters are pretty much healthy. Um, Nicobe Dean on IR as well. He's the only other guy. Sydney Brown has been hurt too, right? Uh, yeah, he's kind he's, of been like their Buffalo nickel guy. He's been playing well, but yeah, you know, rookie guy out of Illinois. Yeah, listed as questionable, so we'll see if he uh, he can make it. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there craig hoffman here getting you ready for the commanders matchup against the philadelphia eagles something we will do for three hours from tap sports bar at mgm national harbor this sunday come hang out with us doors open at 11 show starts at 10 so if you want to hang out online uh easy to do on youtube at the team 980 and at 1067 the fan of course on the radio on both stations for the take command pregame show and then doors open at 11 at tap sports bar uh, if you want to come hang out and say what's up in person all right logan that leaves us with the uh, Philly offense versus the commander's defense. Uh, watching Jalen Hurts this morning, I'm reminded of you know kind of what makes him special, the mobility. And the thing I think is underrated with him is the accuracy. Now, mm. decision-making is something that we'll obviously get to, and he'll put some balls up in areas where defenses can get him. But I think when you have the combination of what he can do in the run game and the fact that when he does throw it, the ball's going to be where it's supposed to be uh, most of the time is what makes him so dangerous. Then the question is, is, is he making the right decision? And by example, like the interception he throws in the end zone um, in yeah. the Tampa game, that ball's perfectly placed except for the one single problem that a defender has a chance to get it. Um, but the ball will, will give his guys a chance and his guys are real good. Um, and I think those two things come together uh, in a major way in their passing game. And then, oh, by the way, DeAndre Swift is having one hell of a season so far. Yeah, to me, I think everything about this Philly team starts with the offensive line. For sure. The, everything about this group. Um, you know, obviously Lane Johnson, they've got a new guy starting at right guard. Um, he was a center traditionally, but Kelsey's a center. Um, uh, Cam gosh, Jurgens, who had some his, mega blocks last week. He did a great job. And then is, uh, is, is Dickerson, is that the guy's name, the yeah. left guard? Is he playing? Is he uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's no got no injury designation, okay, so he should be out he, there. And then obviously uh, big Jordan Mailata at left tackle. And those guys are – Awesome, man. Really awesome. Like they work together super well. Talk about understanding angles and how to work combinations. And I, you know, Swift, I think has the highest 
yards before contact of any back in the NFL, which is an insane statistic. It's like probably four or five. It's it's a very high number. So that means before the defense even touches him, he's you know got a four yard gain. But anyway, so that 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 that's the group to me. It, and and I think when you look at Jalen Hurts and what he's doing. He's holding the ball forever. Like all the stuff that you're talking about with Sam Howell, holding the ball, how well is he seeing certain stuff, that all applies to Jalen Hurts here. And it's a new offense, new offensive concepts. You can tell guys are still trying to figure out exactly what they're doing in certain situations. Um, but he's holding the ball a long time. The reason we're not talking about it in the same vein as Sam Howell is because the offensive line is is the best in football, quite frankly. So um, I personally think if in this game, I want Jalen Hurts to have the ball in his hands as much as possible. I just think he's not playing that well right now. And the more I watch him, the more I believe that. The more I'm, he just looks unsettled versus pressure. He's escaping clean pockets. They have stuff picked up. He's trying to vacate. Um, he's not anticipating throws very well. He threw one of the worst interceptions I've seen this year against Minnesota. Just doesn't see the hook player at all. <clears throat> and so, I, like if I am if I'm Jack if I'm Ron if I'm this staff I'm basically saying what what I want to do everything we can to stop the run and then I want to make I want to say juice to match up with uh, AB or and um, AJ Brown yeah and then I want um, Fuller or whoever to match up with Devontae Smith, Smith and yeah. and we're gonna really just commit to stopping the run and make sure he's got tight throwing windows and say, you are going to have to beat us. Because I, right now, right this second, now in five weeks, I'll probably feel differently about this, but right this second, I personally don't believe Jalen Hurts can beat you with his arm right now. Now, it, there is a the offense is more complicated than that. They run a lot of zone read. He scrambles quite a bit. He does a lot of off-schedule stuff. But right now, I want him with the football in his hands, and I want Swift to have 20 carries for 40 yards, and that means that their offense isn't being super effective. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, with the uh, you know twenty carries for forty yards deal. Um, right now, to the left side of their offensive line, these numbers from PFF as a team, they are averaging eight point eight a carry when they run off of left guard. Uh, so, like if they're running between left guard left tackle situation, they are eight point eight a carry, and that's not small sample size, by the way. That yeah, is where they have targeted more runs this season than any other spot. There's 22 attempts there um, as as a team. Uh, 11 of them by DeAndre Swift. He's averaging 11-1 a carry off yeah. that left side. So th that is where they're going to go. Um, and by the way, they've then got 17 more carries, which is tied for the second most attempts uh, in terms of spatially uh, across the line off the left end. So that is where they're going to go, which means it is a big day for John Allen and it's a big day for Chase Young. Um, and I, if you're Jack, uh, are you, I mean, Chase is, we can, we can talk about Chase and his discipline as a pass rusher and all that kind of stuff. Chase is a really, really good run player. Um, and yeah. obviously John is John. How do you support those guys though? And make sure that they've got, they've got what they need and, and you know, how much do you rotate, uh, you know, yeah. put Montez who's also a fantastic run player over there. Like, what do you do personnel wise to, to try to limit that knowing that it's coming? So first off, I think you need to plan for the zone read. And what is the plan for that? Who's going to support that? Because I want my ends playing fast and physical, like you said. I don't want any indecision. I want to get in single front as much as possible. And I know that's a tough matchup for Ridgeway, but Ridgeway's a big guy, and hopefully he can kind of present a little bit of a problem for um, Kelsey. 
I need probably two linebackers on the field. I expect to see a lot of Cody Barton. I expect and Jamin Davis. And those guys have been playing really well. They've been playing good football. They're fast. I need them to fit runs correctly and be decisive to the football. Because that's the other thing. With John, John, I love John, doesn't take on double teams exceptionally well. You need to get downhill to peel that as quick as possible so he can win his one-on-one matchup and make a play for you. Cam's probably going to be in the box a little bit more, kind of in that overhang position. But it is the key to this game. And I know we say this all the time. <clears throat> the the thing, you got to stop the run. You have to. You have to do it. And this team traditionally has done a really good job of that. When they say it's time to stop the run, they do a pretty good job of it. You mentioned uh, Chase Young being excellent against the run. Montez Sweat might be the one of the best run defending defensive ends in the NFL. Payne is very disruptive in the back end in terms of, you know, making guys miss at the line of scrimmage and getting tackles for losses. But everybody else after that needs to be exceptional. Jamin said a good job. I thought he did a good job last week. That needs to continue. Cody need to make sure he's fitting runs correctly. There are still times where I'm like, is this the correct way to fit this? The run support players off of that, Forrest, Cam, Percy, whoever it is, you do a great job tackling. And to get that kind of defensive structure in there, you need to be excellent on the outside. And that's really what we're talking about. And I think this team is built to do that. I think they're capable of doing it. I love the matchup of uh, St. Juice against A.J. Brown. Love that. Want to see that. Want to see a competitive physical matchup. A.J. Brown's going to get his. But I think more oftentimes than not, this team's lifeblood is the run game. So let's cut that off and then see if Jalen Hurts can throw the ball 40 times a game, which, again, right based on what I've seen, to me is the best bet to win this football game. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those where it's going to feel very silly next week if Jalen all of a sudden finds the form he had last year, and, and, and some, that, that happens. That happened. You know, that was the same thing that happened. When was that? 2020, we talked about that with Josh Allen. Josh Allen, like, Josh yeah. Allen looked totally inept for the first three games of the year, then comes out versus us and looks like a Hall of Fame player, and just can continue to do that. So <clears throat> I definitely think that, Yes, that is entirely possible. But with the information that I have at my disposal, which is these first three games, that's what I want to have happen. Yeah, you're picking your poison, and yeah. uh, the the run game death is uh, is seems certain. Where the Jalen, at least you got a shot. Um, right. From a, like an actual schematic standpoint, their run game, like you talk about the zone read, obviously that's zone. That's, um, that's but one part of it. Yeah. yeah. What what else are they doing? Because I had such a. a like Kedrick Golston came on the show uh, oh, nice. last week and big kid had such a great answer when talking about the Cinco front and like why it's so effective. And he's basically like, yeah. it is impossible to get angles as an offensive line for your double teams. And so obviously that is something that against certain run schemes is, is way more important than others. So how does that match up go in terms of like what Philly's doing in their actual run game? Are they, they running powers and gaps and all these kinds of things? Or are they, they mostly like a zone team and how does, how do the different fronts that Washington run uh, or how does the, how do the fronts, how does what Washington's trying to do uh, affect affect that philly uh attack stylistic so so basically the thing the runs that they've been most effective with at least that i've seen they've been um kind of this outside zone outside zone and there is a little bit of zone read um an element to it but it's outside zone outside zone tight zone and what i love about the cinco front is basically instead of you saying um for example in a in a traditional outside zone let's say the tight ends to the right you're going to get a six technique, which is a guy head up on the tight end. You're going to get a three technique, which is a guy head up on the uh, the guard, maybe outside shoulder. And you're going to get a backside shade. So in that look, 
right? The person that is most stressed is the front side guard because they're going to be in a one-on-one reach block with a three technique, right? Sometimes people bring the center across, whatever, to get into combination there. But at the front side of that run, you get a double team with the tackle, okay? And you can get potential help from the center depending on how you want to call it. Mm-hmm. In a single front, you basically say, center, you can't help the guard no matter what. Tackle, you don't. You you are in a combination with the tight end, but now we get a sing, a single for the center, a single for the guard, and I like our singles. I like Deron Payne versus Cam. Uh, what's his name? Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens, yeah. Cam Jurgens in a one-on-one situation, and I basically because of that nose guard have ensured a one-on-one with Deron versus outside zone. So that center has to reach Deron, get to his outside shoulder, get his hat outside, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that more often than not. Now. The thing that gets me is like, can Kelsey beat Ridgeway? Yes. But the problem is that backside guard, if you're in a single front, can't just leave John Allen because the center, because the backside tackle can't cut him off because you've got two threes and a nose. So to, to Kendrick's point, that's exactly right. Now, there are other runs you can run to kind of help mitigate some of that. We've talked about pin pull, how that's been effective against this group. Duo's okay. But again, when you get that five man front, combinations become really hard to come by. Philly has done a good job of finding them by getting into multiple tight end personnels, which they've not done as much this year. Because when you get multiple tight ends or you bring an extra offensive lineman in, you basically get unbalanced and the front has to shift. Now you get more combinations. But so far this year, they haven't done a ton of that. So I I really believe that that single front, if the linebackers are playing well, should be a good solution here. Well, that's a that's a big if because Barton has been very hit or miss. Um, he's playing; yeah. it's getting better, but it still hasn't been great by any stretch. And then there's the other factor for their run game, which is you have to be wary of Jalen at all times, and that can yeah. change the numbers instantly because 100%. they they do not just run zone read; like they will run quarterback power, they will run quarterback sweep, like they will do stuff to get Jalen out in space as a runner without just the Hey, let me read this this unblocked defensive end and see if he goes and chases the running back and then run where he left. Uh, you know your basic simple zone read stuff. They do a lot with him in the run. Or they don't. They won't do like you know. They won't necessarily give him ten design carries. They did this last game. Yeah, but there's but, yeah, but there's a lot of different stuff you have to be ready for because they it's all in the playbook. Correct. Like against uh, against New England, for example, and New England does a great job after a turnover. They're in their own territory. It's third and 13, and they run a quarterback power for a first down. Philly does, right? And it's Jalen Hurts just being big and strong getting downhill. If you watch the Tampa Bay game, I want to say it was one of Swift. It was either Swift's first or second long run. They so The back's offset to the left with the tight end left. So they set the front strength to the left. So the three techniques left, the six techniques left, and then um, – Gosh, what's that linebacker's name? Number fifty-four for Tampa Bay. Anyway, he's on the ball. He's on the line of scrimmage, yeah. which is a uh, which is a weird look. It's not a traditional look, but you're doing that because basically you're taking away the zone read by having that player there because the quarterback has to read the end. But now you've got a guy for the back over there. So great, you've you Levante David. Thank you, Will. Um, so you've accounted for that guy. You've accounted for the zone read. The problem is because the front is shifted to the left. You've got um, the other linebacker, White, up in the A-gap on the other side in a one-on-one with Cam Jurgens. So they're like, okay, we're just going to run it to the right. And Cam Jurgens smokes White, and then it ends up being a huge run. I think it was like a 35-yard gain because of how they had to shift to account for the zone read. And so when I say get in the Cinco front, one of the things Jack has done a really good job of is making sure they account for 
that zone read element, but it does make you light to the front side of runs and on the cutback if you don't hit it correctly. So that is something that is hugely annoying to prepare for when it comes to the run game because it, it really tests all of your rules and all of your different defensive calls versus pressures versus Cinco versus four down versus different run calls in that four down and in the Cinco. So it's something that they're going to have to rep and prep a ton this week because it, it, it is a huge factor when you're, when you're cultivating a rushing defense, because now instead of being, uh, what is it? 10 on 11, like it normally is when you're playing defense. Now it's truly 11 on 11 and you have to make sure that that, that 11th right. player, the safety, whoever it is, is accounting for the quarterback. If he's accounting for the quarterback, you're light in the pass coverage. So it is this really crazy paradigm in terms of being effective uh, in, all, in all aspects of this game. The last thing that I'll just mention real quick on the way out is you also got to be more aware of the run with them in situations where it would be obvious passing. Like they ran for a first down on a third and six the other day. That's yeah. like, that's six. the kind of stuff that you got to be aware of is like they, you know, we talked in the, in the Washington offense segment about how this is not a team that should come out between or it should come out and, and just try to run the ball 30 times because that's not who they are as an identity. They don't own it. They don't have the blood, sweat, tears, all that kind of stuff um, in the way that other a team like Atlanta does. You could have said like a team like Philly does. Like this is who they are offensively. This is what they want to do down in, down out. And if you give them the opportunity, they will take it. So anything, you know, third and six even, if you give them a lane, they'll go take it. And so I think that's just something like another thing to be aware of for this defense situationally that they have to consider. So um, that's uh, that's what I got. Uh, anything else that you got on this uh, on that well, side? Of yeah, the ball? I mean, one of the things they can do there with tra- with Jason Kelsey, mm-hmm. not Travis Kelsey, is because of uh, you mentioned Landon Dickerson being a really good football player. They basically use Kelsey in certain situations, like on that draw you're describing. Mm-hmm. As a fullback, you know, they block down. Yeah. He, he's fast enough to get up to, in space and he can block linebackers. And it's that, that's another very valuable resource to them that needs to be accounted for. So I think I think we've kind of hit the main talking points. But, yeah, you got to stop the run versus this team. And like you said, it's part of their DNA. It's part of their identity. But, yeah, 100 percent. I totally agree yeah. with you. Jason Kelsey, also annoyingly good at podcasts. Tries nuts. We're like They're these really guys. Good at it. These guys that are like Hall of Fame level players that are just killing the podcast game, or like you know on the basketball side, like JJ Reddick's one of the ten best shooters awesome. in the history of the league. His podcast is so good. It's so awesome. annoying. Yeah, I'm just right. I'm just good at the the podcasting. I don't. I wish I could. I mean, you were you played in the NFL and you're good at this. I'm okay God, at they're it. annoying. They're annoying. I think I think it's because their personality comes out in a, little, a little bit more. You know, so. Yeah. William put in the chat, and they have the Taylor Swift thing. Like, we don't know. Like, the entire world is the next. On this. The, the next thanks, note is thanks the funniest. Thanks for the note, William. I know. The was next it, thing is that he just started, they just started dating. Like, come on, man. We living under a rock? It's been Yeah, my, I mean, Logan a... does often feel like he's living under a rock. I know. But even he knew that. Come I on. I knew that, yeah. Good gracious. All right, that's yeah. our podcast. Uh, there's no Taylor Swift stories. Uh, we don't cuss as much as they do, but we give you good football insight that is uh, true. here on Take Command. Next time we see you, we'll be on the radio. Definitely no cussing there. Uh, that's that's very much against the rules. The FCC will that's make right. us pay lots of money. Uh, but we'll see you on Sunday for the Take Command pregame show live on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. We stream it live on YouTube. And then don't forget, post game 90 minutes after the final whistle, we will be back on YouTube 
for our post-game stream. We will see you Sunday on Take Command.